Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. It's me, Mike Vardy, and I have an appetite for apps. Well, let's let's be clear. I had an appetite for apps. I kind of sated myself, and now I'm kind of back into apps again. Apps are vital when it comes to productivity, I believe, because there are a lot of things that apps allow you to do that speed up some of the things that would take a lot longer to do without them. But the trick is to make sure that you're using apps in a way that does that and so that the apps don't consume everything that you're trying to do. So in other words, don't make the app the thing. Make the app that helps you do the thing. I've had a, a kind of a, an on-again, off-again love affair with apps since I started my productivity journey. If you're unfamiliar with my background, when it comes to apps, I'll share a little bit with you now so you have a sense of where I'm coming from. Back when I first started doing productivity writing, uh, I did some work for The Next Web. In fact, if you go to The Next Web, you'll find that I was the apps editor for The Next Web, doing a lot of reviews of different apps, particularly Mac OS and iOS apps, although Mac OS back then was called OS X. Then I went on to write for sites like Cult of Mac, in which case, again, more apps. In fact, I went to Macworld and and got to see a lot of apps and a lot of different gear. Lifehack, not so much. Same thing with Work Awesome. But those two other realms, the Next Web and Cult of Mac, that happened a lot. As a matter of fact, I was at Macworld not only to look at different apps and gear for Cult of Mac, but I also did a presentation for OmniFocus when OmniFocus 2 came out. I was actually part of a group that put together uh, presentations like a panel discussion about OmniFocus with myself, uh, Merlin Mann, um, Michael Schechter, who was my former podcasting partner, David Sparks, um, and a slew of others uh, that were talking about um, OmniFocus. And that was what I used. Now, I have a history of using different apps for productivity since I started to you know, dive into this space. So not only did I review apps, but I also used plenty of them. One of the first apps I ever used was IGTD, which was for the Mac only. There wasn't really any iPhone or iPod Touch, so you had to do everything on the Mac. And you know, if you look back even further, there's things like Kinkless GTD. And, and again, David Allen's talked about using Lotus Notes for uh, implementing getting things done methodology. So... There is a history of using applications for it. Most of them revolved around spreadsheets or databases. And realistically, they still do revolve around databases if you get to the core of it. But from IGTD, I went on to things like OmniFocus, Things, The Hit List, uh, and many more. At this point now, um, after spending some time with things like Asana, Trello, uh, Todoist seems to be the one that I spend the most time with, mainly because it covers several different areas that I enjoy. There's the scalability aspect, there's the simplicity aspect, and then there's just this this objective uh, capability that, that Todoist has where um, it's going to help you reach your objectives, and it's not going to get in the way. The design is very simple. There's that simplicity and scalability, which I think are really, really important when you're working with apps of any sort, but particularly Todoist apps and calendar apps, and things are going to help you with productivity. That's why I find it fascinating as somebody who studied apps for a long time to see apps like Notion and Rome Research and a lot of note-taking apps and even more productivity apps that are kind of in integrating AI into the mix like Time Hero and, and others come into play because I think for somebody like me, I can get in and nerd out about them. 
but I don't do that as much anymore. Even with Todoist, I don't use the same levels of uh, depth that I would have once explored back when I first started to look at apps. And there's a very simple reason for that. Um, it, it all boils down to the fact that uh, I would rather use an app in its simplest form possible and then scale from there. And if I find something gets too complicated or too complex, that's probably a better way to put it, complex, not complicated, um, I lose access to the people who really need to learn how to use these apps the most. There are plenty of people out there that use apps like Asana, Todoist, Marvin. Again, there are so many different uh, productivity apps out there. And some are really, really digging into the nuts and bolts of those. And we've seen this with tools like, again, Evernote, Notion, um, Obsidian, Rome Research. You can go on YouTube and search and find all of these things. And as I've spent time getting back into apps and, and kind of wetting my appetite for them, um, I'm realizing that we are edge cases when it comes to that stuff. The people that are really geeking out about it are edge cases. They are a niche in and of themselves. Um, and I think that that's fine for uh, those who really want to dig into that. But there is, I said, as I said earlier, a danger to that. Not necessarily to the guys like, and, and, and you know, people like me that spend time in these apps and teach people about them, but for the people who are actually just going to use them on a regular basis. They need to be able to have a low barrier to entry. And a lot of these things can feel overwhelming to them. And I can speak from experience for one particular app. I really like Notion. I do like what it does. And I made a video series called Two Weeks with Notion, uh, Two Weeks Notice. It's one of the series I do on YouTube. And I said, I'm going to spend two weeks with Notion and get, get familiar with it. And based on my ability to give attention to apps over the regular course of a work week and a whole bunch of other factors... Um, my goal is to give a certain amount of time to it. Well, with Notion, I gave that time to it, but there was I had just barely scratched the surface of what Notion could do. It was really weird for me to face that idea of I'm not as far ahead with this app as I would usually have been back in the day when I was exploring apps because I didn't dedicate all of my attention. I dedicated portions of it throughout the course of a you know, two-week period. But if I dug in for a whole week and just said, I'm going to get really familiar with Notion and nerd out about it, I'd be fine. Same thing with apps like Time Hero, Marvin, uh, again, Rome Research, Obsidian. But I'm now becoming that case where while I can do that, if I choose, I have that capability, I'm not necessarily wanting to do that. I see apps as a means to an end. And... For most people, they just want to get the bare essentials out of the app. So, for example, let's use Todoist as an example because I can speak with a level of authority on it. Todoist has, obviously, the tasks um, that you can fill in. There's dates, uh, which are scheduled. Notice they're not due dates. It says scheduled. So I actually use those as dates where I want to look at this task. It doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to do it. They have sections now. They have tags. They have... Um, priority flags. They have filters. Just to that point, that's kind of where it begins and ends for me. You can get really complex, you know, develop complex filters if you want. You can create a lot of sections that help segment up your projects. But ultimately, what I want to do with an app is I want to be able to practice time crafting within it. 
And that means I don't need to go too far down the rabbit hole with what the app can do. I just need to be able to have simple things like tagging or labeling. I need to be able to have dates in there. I need to be able to see if a task is recurring or not. I need to be able to do those kind of things. And honestly, with projects, I don't really need to have segments or anything like that because I tend not to work by project nearly as much as I tend to work by theme or by mode. So I could go way deeper into the uh, the depths of Todoist, but I'll leave that to the guys like Carl Pauline and, and, and Francesco D'Alessio of, of Keep Productive. I'll let those guys do that. Um, for me, I'm, I'm more along the lines of let's keep it simple and then let's get comfortable with it. Let's get using these tools. And then if you want to figure out how to do something else, like, you know, enable a geolocation for your phone. So that way you can, you know, use that element of Todoist or uh, create uh, filters that are going to really person personify and personalize rather your to-do list application, Todoist in this case. Absolutely. But I think things can get really muddy if you go too far down that role. And then all of a sudden, instead of actually, and I've said this before, instead of actually being productive, you're doing productive. You're putting all of these little applications in place, but you're not actually executing on them. And there are apps that are going to be better for one person than another. Some people will like the look of Trello because of the Kanban style. Some people are going to like Todoist because of the list style. Some people are going to like Microsoft to do because it integrates well with the Microsoft ecosystem. Some people are going to like paper planners uh, because those work well with their, their mindset. And I'm not going to go too far to the paper situation because I believe paper and digital can work well together. But you're also going to have to consider things like who else is using the platform. Things like that. And it doesn't just go for to-do list apps either. There's calendar apps. I'm a big fan of Woven. They've sponsored the podcast before. Huge fan of Woven. I want to make sure that I can use uh, my calendar the way I want to use it. I want to be able to make appointments happen. I want to be able to block out times. I want to be able to see color. I want to be able to have all those features. Same thing with email applications. I mean, we talked about Hey com not too long ago and I'm now paying for hay and I I'm still trying to figure out where it fits right but I'm using front for other emails so there is no escaping apps but I'm also very cognizant and I think you need to be cognizant of this as well as a user that you don't want to be sucked into them too deeply because ultimately they are just there to remind you of either where you need to be or what you need to do or their their attention um, waypoints, for lack of a better term. They are designed to bring your attention or draw your attention to very particular things. If you're using a habit tracking app, they're designed to draw your attention to the habits you are trying to adopt. A calendar app is designed to draw your attention to the appointments that you've made or the periods of time that you've blocked out for you know, the types of work you want to be doing during a particular time. A to-do list app is designed to uh, draw your attention to the tasks on your to-do list. But you're only going to get out of it as much as you put into it. And again, I don't want you, you know, I don't want you, and I don't want to see anyone who's adopting a new app go so deep into it that uh, if something was to break or something wasn't to work, then you're going to be overwhelmed by it. And then what you end up doing is abandoning it altogether. Same can be said for social media as well. There's different social media apps out there. There's different social media platforms out there. You want to get good at certain ones, so that and then you can get better 
with using them. So for example, let's talk about LinkedIn for a second. And actually, starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepasswordcom slash ProductiveConvo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there, and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now... You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. Let's talk about our sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. Small businesses have unique needs, and despite the current uncertainty, one thing that remains unchanged is the importance of having the right people on your team. When your business is ready to make that next hire, 
LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person quickly. That's really important. If you're spending time on social and you're connecting with the right people and those people are connecting with you, then you can use LinkedIn Jobs to kind of figure out which candidates you might want. You're spending time on that platform anyway, so dive into that platform to see where you can find the right candidates for the roles you're trying to fill. And if they're using LinkedIn, then you know that they've got some tech savviness attached to themselves already to a degree. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 690 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you've been looking for, which is incredibly important. It's going to save you time and energy. And LinkedIn Jobs puts your job post in front of qualified members every day so that it's seen by people looking for jobs like yours. Again, that's a huge time saver. That's how LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire the right person faster. So when your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash timecrafting. Again, that's linkedin.com slash timecrafting to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. And I want to thank LinkedIn Jobs for sponsoring this episode of the Productivity is Podcast. Let's get back to that social media positioning that I was talking about. So obviously, when you are using different apps and you want to figure out which ones are going to work for you, you're going to do that with social media as well. You're going to do it with all your apps. You're going to say, well, which ones serve me better? Uh, I'm not somebody that's necessarily going to use TikTok, but somebody else might. Gary Vaynerchuk's great at using that. But I'm not going to give as much time or energy or focus to TikTok because number one, I don't know that my audience is there. Number two, I have to figure out how to leverage it. And I have, I have a TikTok account and I've kind of pressed a hard pause on it because I don't know what levels of uh, engagement I'm going to get on there and what I can do on there that's going to actually draw people in. I've done some stuff, but not a lot. Um, Instagram, very visual. Pinterest, very visual. LinkedIn, a lot of my people are there. Twitter, again, there's a lot of noise there, but so again, when it comes to apps, when it comes to platforms, you want to simplify it to the point where you can learn and get adept with it at face value and then add more as you go. Much like with time crafting, much like with anything you're learning, start with the basics and build from there. And yes, you're going to have to make choices. You're going to have to say, you know what? I I don't want to move from Notion to Rome Research. Or no, I don't want to leave Evernote and try out Notion because I'm I'm happy with Evernote, but I'm trying out this new to-do list app. Apps are going to be around for a long time. And I've seen my share of apps come and go. The importance here is to make sure that you're getting as much out of your apps as you need to get out of them for as long as you can get that out of them. So that may mean in Todoist, you start filtering. Maybe at the beginning you don't. Maybe if you're using Asana, you bring other people into it. If you're using communication tools like Slack, you start integrating things into Slack to lower the barrier to entry so you can connect them to things like Asana or some of the other third-party apps. And again, Zapier can help you with that as well. And I know they've sponsored this podcast before. There's no shortage of apps out there. And, and the key is, is to make sure that if you have an appetite for those apps, that you take a look and make sure that you're not um, gorging yourself on them along the way. Now, let me tell you a little bit about, before we wrap up, some of the apps I'm using right now. So if you're an iOS user, this is going to be particularly useful to you. 
because uh, that's my platform primarily. In fact, even though I'm on a Mac right now as I record this, most of my work takes place on my iPad Pro. So the apps that I find myself using the most are Drafts for iOS. And the reason I use that is because I can write everything in there, everything, uh, including my journal entries, and then I can migrate as I go. So Drafts is actually in a lot of ways where I put my research, where I put my, it's, it's my scratch pad, it's my notepad. And I don't know that I need anything else right now to do that because it's just for me. Now, if it was for other people, then maybe Google Docs would be a better place. Or maybe, um, you know, again, that's where Notion could come into play or, or, or what have you. But for right now, drafts is where all that stuff goes. And I'm barely scratching the surface with what drafts can do as well. When it comes to task management, for personal task management, it's Todoist. For team task management, it's Asana. But I'm making some moves there as well. Asana just had a webinar this week called The Future of Asana. I'm, I've yet to watch it. But I'm looking at other options there. Okay. Uh, when it comes to uh, communication, I use Twist uh, for some of it, but I use Slack for others. Again, not everybody's on Twist, which is made by the company Todoist, or made by the company Doist, who runs Todoist. Um, and Slack is more universally understood. When it comes to files being saved, Dropbox is where all that stuff goes. I use, I do use Google Drive for some shared files, but normally that's with people who are using Google Drive. It's not, I don't start them there. I normally go to there. I think that's another thing too, is just because somebody, if you're working with someone else, you may need to use their platform, but you don't need to adopt it as your primary. You can make it so that somebody else is, is uh, you just go there. For somebody else's stuff and that's why I have in Todoist I have labels like Google Drive because that way I know if I'm working on something that's in Google Drive I can see that's where it is and incidentally all of these apps if you were following the time crafting methodology would be resource-based mode so drafts is a resource-based mode um, woven which is my calendar app of choice that would be a resource-based mode front my email app that would be a resource-based mode thing those are so those are the uh, those are the core tools that I use. I use day one for journaling, but I write my journal entries and drafts and then copy them over to day one. Um, I'm not going to go into some of the business tools that I use because there's lots there I use. Um, but those are the core ones that I'm kind of getting in and out of every single day. Um, and that's enough. Honestly, in most cases, that's enough. I, I want to get really good at those so that I can um, slowly add other ones to it, like ScreenFlow, for example, if I want to do some video recording. Or, um, you know, obviously, if I'm, uh, I don't really do my own podcast editing at this time, but really, I only use GarageBand for that when I have to, when I record audio. I use ConvertKit for email, but, and, and I, but I write all my emails in drafts. So, like I said, we live in a world of apps, and it's important to have them and know that, hey, this is... This is the reality. We, we They are great for long-term storage. They are great for sharing things quickly. They are great for, um, you know, um, efficiently and effectively linking things together. But you, if you're using them and you're not, and you're either diving into something for the first time or you're not terribly um, adept with technology, maybe going to YouTube and watching videos about how to get, you know, make sections and Todoist work for you is not the place to start. As a matter of fact, much like when you get a new appliance or when you get a new tool like I've gotten, 
um, recently with woodworking or, you know, when you're starting out with something like gardening, starting with the basics is more than fine. Just start there. Final point I want to bring up. Pay for your apps. I know there's a lot of free apps out there, but you have to understand that if the app is free, then there is a cost that's hidden. And normally it's the privacy that you have. That's why Hey.com being $99 a year, there's a there's some reasoning behind that, right? When you pay for drafts, when you pay for Todoist, when you pay for any of these apps, it kind of puts yourself in that position to be able to say, hey, you know what? Um, I'm helping support this app so that it lives beyond uh, what it might have been able to otherwise because we've seen apps disappear because uh, they just didn't have, they were free and then all of a sudden um, they get, they don't have enough money. They go under. Um, Apple, Google, they all, Microsoft, they build their own versions and because these free apps can't compete becomes an issue. So if you're using third-party apps, find a way to pay for them. Whether you're using, that's why I, I'm really a big fan of Setup. They've sponsored the podcast before. I like the fact that I'm paying, you know, you can pay $9.99 a month and you, you're, you're helping third-party developers. So give the free app, use the free trials for sure, but then pay for those apps because they're, they're just like, the developers are just like you and me. They need to earn a living. And by you supporting them, they're going to be able to better support you for the long term instead of the short term. So that's my my story about apps. I'm I am a fan. I am using some more paper tools nowadays as well, but I do have an appetite for apps. And I'm diving back into apps as well when it comes to things, and you're gonna see more of that in the content that I'm sharing, not necessarily on this podcast, but in other areas. And uh, I'll I'll have more to share on that in the not too distant future upon the release of, of this episode. But I want to thank you for taking the time today to listen to this episode. I really do appreciate it. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, you want to hear more like it, please let me know. Uh, send me an email at askmike at productivityist.com or podcast at productivityist.com if you want. Either will work. Uh, if you enjoyed this program and you don't want to miss a single episode, please subscribe to the podcast in Overcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this episode. And that way you don't miss a single episode. I've got some great ones coming up. I've got episodes booked all the way through almost till the end of 2020. So lots of great stuff coming. And uh, if you did enjoy this episode and you've already subscribed and you want to say, hey, Mike, this is what I think, leave a rating and review wherever you're listening to podcasts because I take a look at those and it'll help me make the show better. I hope you are having a great week. If not, I hope it's getting better for you. And until next time, uh, this is Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivities Podcast, reminding you, stop guessing and start going. See you later.